took off, no school. They're excited, man, about what is about to take place. Um, I want you to grab your scriptures, and I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and uh, kind of set the table of where we're going today. I think it's, uh, man, Thanksgiving is incredible. Uh, it's a blessing that we have and, and uh, to participate in. And so I'm going to ask you this, though. Please be careful. I know some of you are traveling. Just getting out from here to home can be, uh, can be kind of crazy, but uh, please be careful. Let me read the word, and then we're going to open it and see what God has for us today. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning with verse 1, we're going to go through verse 15. Uh, keep your devices on or your Bibles open. Don't hesitate to grab a pen to jot down some notes because I think uh, there's going to be some things the Holy Spirit wants to unveil to us. So let's, let's go. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Let me stop right there and give you a little background because that, that may not make sense. Paul is writing to a church in a place called Corinth, okay, and uh, he is talking about churches in an area called Macedonia. For you that are new to the scriptures, let me just kind of help you a little bit. Paul... Uh, had a life-changing transformation in Jesus Christ. And uh, what happened, it was called a blinding light experience. You may remember that from the book of Acts. But what happened is his life was totally radically changed. He grew in his faith in Christ, and then God sent him out as a missionary. And so he went out to different places to be a missionary. One of those areas was Macedonia. Macedonia is in northern Greece, so to speak, just so that you can have a geographical perspective. You've probably heard of churches, uh, if you've read anything in the Scriptures, a place called Philippi, which the letter of Philippians was written. It was from the Macedonian area. There's another little place that some of you who have been a little deeper in the Scriptures, it's a place called Berea. And you may remember that the Bereans were people that really studied the Scriptures. And so this was the place of Macedonia. Now, the, here's the deal about Macedonia, though. They were not uh, Jewish believers. They were... Christian, I mean, they were Gentile believers. They had not had anything with Jewish faith. They were Gentile believers that came to Christ, okay? But they lived in a very impoverished place. They didn't have much wealth going for them. The, the Romans had, you know, made their way that way, and so there was some oppression that came with that. But Paul all of a sudden is talking about how they're so generous in their giving and sacrificial in their giving. What are they giving to? Well, here's what was going on. All the way back in Jerusalem, over in, you know, over in Israel, Jerusalem, where everything happened, the hotbed of everything. That's where Jesus was crucified. That's where uh, Jesus resurrected. We know that uh, it, it was the, the seat of, of uh, the church that was birthed, and, and it came forth there. And so Jerusalem was very important. And so, but this is what was going on. About in the 40, mid-40 A.D., they had a famine hit that area of the, of the world. It was so severe that the people had nothing I mean, they were to the point where they had nothing. The famine was so severe for them. 
And also you top that off with the fact that the Romans were still oppressing these early believers. They were under persecution even from their Jewish uh, friends. That, that what was happening is, is that these people had nothing and they couldn't get anything. So Paul has this idea, if I can go on these missionary journeys to all these places I've gone to, and I can ask them for funding to help these Jewish believers in Jerusalem, it would be an incredible win-win all the way around. So he had gone to Macedonia, and even in their impoverished area, they gave money to, uh, to uh, the Jewish believers in Jerusalem. Now here's what makes that cool, and, and I hope this makes sense to you. According to the scriptures, there are people in the biblical times, they were either Jew or they were not Jew, and the non-Jews were called Gentiles, okay? And so what Paul has done here is an incredible thing, is he has gone to these Gentiles, and this is how the body of Christ, the church, all walls are knocked down. There are no divisions. And so what Paul does is he goes to these Gentile believers to ask them if they'll help out these Jewish believers, and sure enough, they do. They come overboard. And so now what Paul is doing, he's talking to these people in Corinth about, now you need to step up to even help more. If the Macedonians can do it, surely you can do more, okay? So you're with me in the biblical background because I wanted to make sense uh, as we keep on going. Okay, I think I'm in verse 8. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means." For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Verse 13, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality, as it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. So what he's doing is, is he is challenging these Corinthian believers to step up in their generosity to help the church in Jerusalem. Now, keep that in mind, because I want to give you a couple of thoughts as we unpack this today. For you that have had small children, or you have grandchildren that are small, or whatever, I would say, I'm going to give you some scenarios, and I would say every one of you has lived this out. Number one is this. If you had multiple kids, more than one, one of them comes and they're squalling. They're, they're crying. They're yelling. They're, they're just, they're, and, and what do they do? They start saying, the other one did such and so, whatever it may have been. Stole my, stole my toy, ate my food, hit me, pinched me, bite me, whatever it, they may have done at that point. And so what happens is, is that the one that is the offended one comes and he starts whining to mom or dad. And so what you do is you go get the other one who you think has done the offense. And, of course, what did you do? I don't know. You know, it's always the response you get. And so you pull them in there and because uh, you're tired of this already. You don't even want to get to the truth. You're just tired of the whole scenario. Am I not right, parents? Okay. 
we think it's glorious sometimes. It's just not glorious. And so what do you do? You take the one who offended, the one that's screaming, and you put them face to face and you say, you say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like they really mean it. You say, I'm sorry. And then the other one you say, say, what are you supposed to say? I forgive you. Okay, now, now it's settled. The whole thing is over that quick. Is that not what, this is parenting 101. That is what you do. Whether their hearts are in it or not, you just make them do it. And then here's another scenario. Someone gives your child something, okay? They, they give them something, and uh, the kid just takes it and is silent or walks away, and you grab them, and you bring them back, and you say, say, thank you. Say, thank you. And so, thank you. And they walk off, and, and that's, what, that's what happens. So that's the next scenario. Third scenario is this. Third scenario is your kid has toys or, or um, whatever he may have in his bedroom. Company comes over, and the company has small children as well, and they want to, you know, the children want to play with what your son or daughter has, and your son or daughter is thinking, this is mine. I do not want them to play with it. And you have to get them aside, and you say, you need to share your toys with it, right? You need to be generous to share your toys. Now, here's the deal. All of us have lived through that scenario, and you hope you outgrow it. And sometimes we think, well, those kids, that's just the way kids are. We do the same thing as adults. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. You know, that's the way we live it out. But why is these small children, why is their default not uh, appreciation? or seeking forgiveness and saying, I'm sorry, or uh, giving away of themselves. Why is that not their default? It's because all of us have a depraved, deceitful heart from the time we're born. And you see it lived out, and we think, well, you know, uh, that's, that's just the way. No, we still walk that out. We walk it out all the time. Now, don't misunderstand me. I am not telling you that Jesus came and died on a cruel cross and rose from the dead so that you would be polite. That's not what I'm saying. He came because we were broken and, and, and we were depraved and we needed a Savior. Okay? But when our hearts are changed and we start living more like Christ, these things ought to start becoming part of our life instead of falling back to the default of me, my selfishness, and this kind of thing. Now, here's where I'm going with this. One of the struggles we have, especially around Thanksgiving, to talk about is why are we not more generous? Why do we not have generous hearts? If the Spirit of God, if the, if the Spirit of God is representing God, and we know that God is a giving, benevolent God, He loved us so much that He gave His Son, why do we not see that generosity inside of us? And that's where Paul is going with the Corinthian church, is that, you know, if the Macedonian church has that kind of generosity, that kind of generosity ought to be in you as well. So what I want to do over the next couple of minutes, I, I want to give you just some pictures of what, what helps in generous living. If we're called to be that way, if God's Spirit wants to live that out, what does that look like according to this passage of Scripture? And then I want to give you a parable. Okay? So it's pretty simple where we're going from here. And you can write these down, and they'll be on the, on the screen. But I, I just want to help you with those. And they're coming out of the Scripture, so you keep it there. The first point is this. Generous living attracts the grace of God. 
Generous living attracts the grace of God. In verse 1, right there, he says, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian church. What does that mean? It means he has given his favor, he has given his blessing, because they are living the life of generosity. God has just blessed them even more. He has just shown his favor. Now, it's not one of those, I give a dollar, I get $10 back. That's not what I'm saying. But their favor, their attraction was there. And it also says that they had an incredible joy that lived out of them that was there. And so what happens is, is that because of their generosity, God has just showed his grace and favor on them even more. Let me give you a thought this way. You ever see a person who is full of the joy of the Lord and the blessing of the Lord, even if they're impoverished, they just live out that joy of the Lord and the favor of the Lord. Have you ever seen those people? Aren't there an attraction to them? There was something about these churches in Macedonia because of their generosity that they became attractive to the world. I think the body of Christ, sometimes we're considered stingy a little bit. I think we're considered um, uh, almost judgmental a lot instead of generous. I don't think generous flows to the top. But you find a congregation that is generous and giving itself away, and you see the joy and favor of the Lord. It is an attraction to people. So point number one is, is that generous living attracts the grace of God. Here's number two. Generous living comes out of a heart of gratitude. Generous living comes out of a heart of gratitude. In verse 5, look at that right quick. And it says, they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. What happens is, is that when we see how great God is and all that he has done for us, and we come with hearts of gratitude to him, out of that gratitude automatically comes a heart of generosity. As you realize who God is, that God is huge, that he gave, his, he gave his only begotten son because I needed a savior. And he came and he brought forgiveness to me. He gave his life for me. I can't help but give myself away to other people. It's generous living comes out of that heart of gratitude. When we have a correct view of God, then we have a correct view uh, of how to give ourselves away to others. So number one, generous living attracts the grace of God. Number two, generous living comes out of a heart of gratitude. Number three is this. Generous living is not dependent on your circumstances. How many people think, if I, when I get a surplus, God, then I'm going to be generous? When does the surplus come? Never. We say, God, when this happens, and these people in Macedonia, it says that they gave out of their poverty, and they couldn't wait for a surplus. They had a joy of giving, and that's what they wanted to do. I've shared this with you before, but, but it's so true to know. Circumstances, when you're squeezed, that is what shows what is really inside of you. You want to know what's really inside of you, get squeezed. And if generosity is inside of you or a heart of compassion, that is what comes out. If not, then that Grinch who stole Christmas comes out of you. you however you were squeezed, when you were squeezed is what really shows on the inside. And I want, I want you to know something. I think the world wants to know that Jesus is real. They want to know that his followers are real. But this is the deal about, about what they're looking for. They're not looking at how we act. Because anybody can act right. They're looking at how we react. They want to know when we're squeezed. 
When our finances are tight, how do we respond? They want to know when we have health issues, how do we respond? They want to know when our kids are not living life like we had wanted them to, how do we react at that time? They're not looking at how you act. They're looking at how you react. And so often we think our, our joy and our generous living is dependent on our circumstances, and it is not. The church right here shows that. Uh, front blew in yesterday, and uh, when a front comes in, there's winds that come at the, at the beginning of that front. And, and uh, most of you, well, many of you have something at your house that you don't know it's really there until the front comes, and it's wind chimes. If you've got wind chimes out there, that wind chimes is just there decorative until the wind blows. And when the wind blows, then it, it puts off the sound of beauty that it was created for. Listen, we as followers of Jesus Christ, we look pretty good most of the time. We act pretty good. We look pretty good. But when the storms of life come is when we show the rest of the world the beauty of the music of Jesus Christ. And so we need to understand that our generous living is not dependent on our circumstances. Number four, generous living is to follow the example of Jesus. Notice what it says in verse 9. In verse 9 he says this. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through you, his, through his poverty, you might become rich. Now, he's not talking about finances here. He's talking about rich in the things of life, that we will have that full life. And Jesus set the example. We know in Philippians 2, it says he emptied himself. He became poor. He became impoverished so that we might become full. He fully emptied himself for the sake of others. And that is the example that we need to follow, is generous living is to follow the example of Jesus. Now, let me give you one more. If you're taking notes, which I encourage Generous living attracts the grace of God. Generous living comes out of a heart of gratitude. Generous living is not dependent on your circumstances. Generous living is to follow the example of Jesus. And the next one is this. General, generous living is an investment. Now, many of you have investments. You're not going to invest in something that does not pay off. Many of you have your retirement investments or or you're, you have to play the stock market or whatever you may do, hoping that you make the right investment that you hit Apple back in the day or Dell back in the day and it, it pay off. But, but have you ever thought of that generous living is an investment? This is what Paul lays out in, in the latter part of this verse. Notice in verse 14, he says, At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. We give to help other people. Wasn't it really cool that down in, uh, uh, when Harvey hit down, and, and I know Zach and April were in the midst of this, when Harvey hit the coast and uh, all that took place down there, it was, within the first week to two weeks, there was an article out that said that 80% of the aid that came in to the coast came from faith-based organizations came from the church now we realize in our government we have fema and they were going to kick in and this kind of stuff but it was the church that was there quickly and why does the church do that well we it's an investment we invest in the kingdom we invest in hurting people because who knows what may hit the austin area someday we may find ourselves in great need and and thus there's the reciprocation that comes it's a great investment of generous living that takes place now let me stop. 
because I'm talking about generous living, I would say that 90% of you are thinking, he's just talking about money. He's just talking about money. That's all he's talking about. I'm not talking about money. I think there are three areas of generous living for Christ followers that the Scripture talk about. And I want to share them with you right quick. Number one is this, is we should be generous in our words. I think words is the first place we start at. I think we need to be the, mo- the best cheerleaders. We need to be the best encouragers. We ought to be the one that are building people up the most. We ought to be the ones that people want to see coming. I know some of you are school teachers or school administrators in this place. Aren't there certain parents you just don't want to see coming? You just hate to see them coming. And I, I really, when, when, when I know that there is a, a somebody, a teacher tells me about somebody, and there is a Christian that they hate to see coming, I'm thinking, oh, God, we give you such a... A bad look at that point. You see, we as Christ followers, to any teacher, we ought to be the cheerleader, the encourager, the one that's there patting them on the back, the one that is saying, go for it, man. You know, we're so glad my kid is in your class. And that teacher wants to see you coming. We need to be the encouragers. We need to be the ones that build up. We need the ones, our words are, are, are there and, and God wants to use them. I, I want to I share with you a scripture in, a, in the book of Ephesians. Let me get over to it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, it says this. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Paul is saying, listen, as a Christ follower, you need to get the stinking thinking and the stinking talk out of your mouth, and you need to get to building up and encouraging one another. This ought to be automatic. We ought to be generous in living with our words. Would somebody say that about you? Or are you always the critical one? You're always the tearing down one. You're the one that when you get in the meeting and then the next thing, oh, there they go again. There they go again. Instead of the one that's encouraging and building up. So number one, generous living is with your words. Number two, you ready for this one? You're not going to like this. Generous living with your time. You know, I've said it before that it's easier to get $100 out of somebody than to get an hour. Because our time, 168 hours in a week, we all got it. But yet it's the hardest thing for us to invest. Because we've got it filled up. We've got it filled up with so many things. We've got it filled up. We've got to sleep so much, but yet we're the most fatigued generation that's come along because we fill it up with so much you know, we, we came along with fast food and microwave and everything so that our time would have more discretionary time, only to fill it with more and more and more and more. And what happened, we're overloaded. And so when it comes to be generous with our time, we can't be generous. I want you to know something. You have 168 hours in a week, and everybody says that's not enough time, but I want you to know God has given you enough time to fulfill the purpose that he put you on this planet. But what we do is we fill it with so much fluff and other stuff that we can't be generous with it. Another scripture out of Ephesians, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says this, Be very careful then in how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Invest your time. Be a generous person with your time. And then the third one, it's not only words, it's not only time, but generous in your resources. I mean, we are blessed. 
We are blessed beyond what we can ever imagine. And I know there is something going on right now that's called giving fatigue. Have you heard that reference? Because of what happened with Harvey and what's happened with other uh, earthquakes and happened with different things that have happened, people, everybody's been after the money, and so there's a giving fatigue that sets in. I tell you, I, I, this is something I love, and this is this is... I know Dale did our operations team video there and this kind of thing, and I appreciate our operations team. I appreciate our budget here because I can, I can honestly say, Pam and I firmly believe this, we can touch the world from right here at Central. I, I don't have to go looking for things to give to that I believe that are more important than the local church. I cannot. And so I, I really believe that with our resources, man, I, we can touch the world. And when Pam and I pray, Wednesday night is our night to pray for uh, the foreign mission field. We, we pray for missionaries. That's our Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday world missions. That's just the way we, we work it out. So we pray for world missions. And you know what's incredible is we get to name by name people all over this planet because they have come through the doors of this church and that we have them and we're able to resource them and pray for them. Let me tell you, that's exciting to me. And I think about the local ministries. I think about benevolent ministries. I think about all these things. I'm thinking, God, we can be generous living right here. And I love it. And so I appreciate that so much. But Jesus said this. Jesus said more about resources than he said about uh, faith. And this is what he said. Where your, where your treasure is is going to be equivalent to where your heart actually is. So in other words, if you look into your credit card account, it's going to display who your God is. Jesus said it. I didn't didn't say it. I'm just repeating it. Where your treasure is, it's going to show exactly where your heart is. How are you doing? How are you doing as a generous person? Are you generous with your words? Are you generous with your time? Are you generous with your resources? Because they're not yours. They belong to the Lord. Now here's the parable. There was a man who uh, was a lover of pearls. And he knew that if he ever saw the perfect pearl, he, he would know it because he studied pearls that greatly. Well, one particular time, he was on a business trip, and he went into this town. He's walking along the streets. He looks in the jewelry store, in the window, and sure enough, there it was, the perfect pearl, and he knew it. And he went inside. He had to look closer at it, so he comes inside, and he's looking in the, in the jewelry case at this perfect pearl. And all of a sudden, the jeweler says to him, said, you like the pearl? And he said, oh, man, that is the perfect pearl. And the jeweler says, you're, you're right. It is perfect. It is beautiful. Just look at it. And he pulled it out and he said, you know how they do that? Pull it out and set it up there. And so he's looking at it. And he says, you want to buy it? He said, oh, man, there is no way that I can buy that pearl. He said, I don't know. Let's just see what you got. So the man pulled out his wallet. And he reached in there and he said, well, I got... Uh, Got a couple of hundred bucks here. He said, okay, lay it out there. So he laid his money out there. So what else you got? He said, well, I got, got, my, uh, got my MasterCard. He said, well, let's, let's lay that out there. Just lay it out there. What's the credit limit? Well, it's up to 5000 Okay, just lay it out there. All right, um, what, else, what else you got? 
Well, you know, I, I guess we could live off my retirement. Oh, you got a retirement account. Okay, let's uh, let's put that out there. Okay, uh, we got some savings. Ah, oh, you got savings account. Let's write that down. Pretty good account. Yeah, it's, okay. Well, let's write that down. We got savings down. He said, "Well," he said, uh, "That's kind of tough." He said, uh, I, "I I don't know." He said, well, "What else you got? What else you got?" He said, "Well," he said, "I'm I guess I'm going to get out there in my car and go to my wife." Oh, you got a car? Okay, let's put that one car down here, and and that'll be good. And and you said. You said one car. You got in your car. Uh, your wife got a car? Yeah. Uh, okay, let's put her car down here too. Another car. Now he's really starting to panic. And he says, uh, man, he said, i, well, I got to get home. Some- oh, you got a home. Okay, let's put that down. One home. Well, I guess we could live in our travel, tra- travel trailer. Okay, one travel trailer. He says, but we're... We're me and the kids got kids, kids. How many kids you got? Three kids. Okay, let's put that down. Three kids. Okay, very good, very good. And uh, he said, that just leaves me and my wife. Oh, yeah, that's right. You got a wife, one wife. Uh, what else? What else you got? He said, and all that's left is me. Oh, one. Life. Here you go. Pearl's yours. God takes the pearl in his hands and he kind of turns and and as he's turning to walk away, the jeweler says, Hang on just a second. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Say, Listen, listen, I don't need your money. He said, You can you can have it back along with your credit limit. However, you gotta remember it's my money. And if I ever have need for it, and I ask you for it, you've got to be willing to give it. He said, okay. He said, your car, I don't need your car. Yeah, I don't need your wife's car. But hear me, if I ever have somebody come to town, and they need a ride, and I ask you, then you need to either share your car or give them a ride, okay? Sure. Yeah, I don't need your house. I don't need your travel trailer. So that's pretty nice. I don't need your travel trailer. He said, but remember, it's my travel trailer. And if I ever need someone that needs a room, a place to stay, just like your house, and I say, hey, I need a place to stay, then you open up your house. He said, and your, your kids? He said, right now, I don't, I don't need your kids. But he said, hey, someday, I'm going to need your kids. I'm going to use them somehow in this world, and you're going to need to give them over to me. Let me use them. So your wife, I don't need your wife, but I want you to know someday I'm going to come for her. But right now, she's your wife. And hey, your life, your life I give to you, but understand it's, it's my life. It's my life. Someday I, I will come for it. But right now, I just want you to use that life for me. Here's the pearl. Now, it's a simple parable. But isn't it, understanding, isn't it interesting that we need to understand that Jesus Christ gave his all for us 
so that we could have life and have it eternal and have forgiveness and cleansing. The pearl of great price. And he says, come, lay yourself down for me. You see, once we come to that point, we realize it's not my life anymore. I don't belong to Mark because I'm choosing to give it over to the one that's, that's greater than me. And that turns me into a generous person. Am I always living that out? Oh, good night, no. Maybe we need to begin with repentance and saying, God, I have tried so selfishly to do it on my own. But here's what I want to do. I want to ask Brett and the team to come back up. And so y'all come on up. And here's what we're going to do. I made a point earlier in the message. I said that one of the reasons that, that, a, that a generous living comes out of a heart of gratitude. I really believe that we lose sight so often of how awesome God is and how great He is. And we will never be generous in our living if we do not have a clear picture of how great God is. Now, here's what I'm going to ask of you. I'm going to ask you of you, go ahead and stand with me just a moment. And here's what I'm going to ask. I know it's difficult Some of you are ADD and you're ready to go do something else. Some of you, uh, Cowboys don't play tonight, so you're fine. Kids don't have school tomorrow, you're fine. Your stomach will quit growling. Because I think the most important thing for us as followers of Jesus Christ right now is to look upon how great our God is. We will never be generous if we do not see how great He is. What better time than Thanksgiving to see how great our God is. The splendor of a king, robed in majesty. We want to rejoice in who He is. We just want to see Him. We want to ask Him to remove the veil off our heart for a few moments that we may look and gaze upon Him. And the best way to do that is to just kind of draw a cylinder around yourself and it's just you and God. And, and, and this is how I want you to begin. I want everybody just to take a breath. Did you know that was a gift from God? Put your heart on your chest. Try to feel your heart beat. I want you to know that was a gift from God. The splendor of the King. We're just going to sing how great is our God. And listen, I'm hoping that you will enter in, get such a picture of how great our God is, that the kids on the second floor start to hear it, that our our brothers and sisters that are worshiping around town will hear it, and we will just declare the greatness of God. Father, I pray for these next few moments. Lord, may they be to an audience of one right now, audience you alone we declare how great is our God.